0: Thank you, choir, orchestra. Thank you, church. Here we go. If you got your copy of God's Word, open to Luke's Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 17. Luke, chapter 17, we'll start in around verse number 20 in Luke, chapter 17. Major League Baseball hit a home run this past Thursday while they held the Field of Dreams game in the cornfields of Dyersville, Iowa, just steps away from the movie site of the 1989 film Field of Dreams. Just before the first pitch, Kevin Costner and players from the Yankees and the White Sox, in dramatic fashion, they emerge from the cornfields. One of the images that I most enjoyed from the game was the image of the scoreboard. I love this picture. I love that ladder, man. That ladder, though. Hashtag love the ladder. You know, one of the famous movie lines, or the famous movie line from Field of Dreams is, if you build it, he will come. That's right. So Ray the Farmer built a, played by Kevin Costner, built a diamond, a baseball diamond on his property, and the ghost of Players Pass came and they played. So when we think about the kingdoms of this world, if we build it, whatever it might be, they may come. They may. But when we think about the kingdom of God, in regards to the kingdom of God, it's not if you build it, it will come. In regards to the kingdom of God, church, it is we better be building it for the kingdom of God has already come. So we better be building it. In fact, Jesus, the Son of God, was all about the kingdom of God. So the question is, are you building your own kingdom? Or are you building the kingdom of God? One of the themes of Jesus' walking on this planet was the kingdom of God. In fact, before Jesus was even appeared in the flesh, the angel Gabriel said to his mother Mary, He, Jesus, will be great, be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end In Luke 4, when Jesus was preaching and the crowds warned him to stay, he said, I must go to the other villages and towns and preach the good news of the kingdom of God for this purpose I've come. You get to Luke 11, and Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And here's what Jesus said. This is how you pray. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. In Luke 23, Jesus is hanging on the tree. Next to him are two criminals. They both hurled insults at him. But one of them figured out, hey, this truly is the Son of God. And he, and he said to the other criminal, we get, we're getting what we deserve, but this man's done nothing wrong. And he turns to him. This is what he says to him. Jesus, remember me when you come into your what? Kingdom. And Jesus says, today. I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. So what do we learn about the kingdom of God from the Gospels? Here's what we learn. The kingdom of God is permanent. It will never end. Established forever. We learn the kingdom of God is preeminent. It's your kingdom come, not my kingdom come. It's preeminent. We learn the kingdom of God is present. Today, Jesus says, you'll be with me in paradise. We know the kingdom of God has purpose. Jesus says, for this reason I've come to preach the good news of the kingdom. Jesus did not come, church, to preach the bad news of the kingdom of this world. That is not why he came. He came to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. We know the kingdom of God is personal. Today you'll be with me. That's very personal. And we know the kingdom of God is paradise. And it is present. So today I want to speak to you on this simple subject. My kingdom go. For the Lord's kingdom to come, our kingdom has to go. So this is what I want to do. I want to read the text and then we'll unpack it together. So Luke 17 verse 20, if you're there, say I'm there. right. if you don't have a copy of God's word, it'll appear on your screen. So here we go, verse 20. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to to the disciples, The days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you look there or look here do not go out or follow them for as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other so will the son of man be in his day but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation just as it was in the days of noah On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken, and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. They said to him, Where, Lord? He said to them, Where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Father, we pray for the reading, the receiving, and the response to your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said, Here's the sermon in a sentence. The big idea, the main idea, the takeaway. My kingdom go, my kingdom must go for thy kingdom, for the kingdom of God to come. In your heart, in your life, in your marriage, in your home, your kingdom has to get out for God's kingdom to come. And so, what I want to do as we walk through this text, there's some moves in this text. And I want to apply these moves to where we are in the year 2021. Okay, so here's the first move that we're going to have to make if... We're going to come to the realization of our kingdom going and God's kingdom coming into our heart, life, home, etc. So number one, here's the move we need to make. We need to stop ghosting the church. Stop ghosting the church. What do I mean by ghosting? I'm not referring to a Friday the 13th horror film when I use the term ghosting. By the way, I don't understand this Friday the 13th. In my mind, Friday the 13th is a whole lot better than any Monday the anything. (laughs) Right? Why is Friday getting the bad rap? Monday the 13th is a whole lot scarier than any Friday the 13th. Period. Well, what do I mean by ghosting? Ghosting is simply, can can be described as one who was connected, but has cut off all communication. One who has ended or ignored all communication in contact with another person or ended and ignored all attempts to reach out from the said person that's been cut off. It's just cutting off all communication, disappearing. Just ghosting them. And it's time for us to stop ghosting the church. Now here's how Jesus said it to the Pharisees. Look at verse 20 and 21. The Pharisees are asking Jesus a question. This is not unusual. They often, uh, the Pharisees did, would would speak against, come against Jesus. The Pharisees did not play fair. You see, they just did. They tried to trick Jesus. They tried to trap him. They tried to trip him up they're constantly coming against the Lord Jesus why here's why they in their mind and in their heart had the idea of what the kingdom was going to be about in their mind the kingdom of God was a future physical literal militant kingdom a kingdom with borders and a kingdom with boundaries and a kingdom established with war they were expecting They were looking for, they were anticipating a political Messiah to come, overthrow Rome, and make Israel great again. They were looking for a political Messiah to come, to overthrow Rome, and to build Israel back better. That's what they were looking for. A political Messiah. And Jesus was not it. He wasn't it. He came representing a different kingdom, a spiritual one. And so he tells them very plainly here in this text, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to observe. The kingdom of God is already in your midst. It's, It's already here. Why? The kingdom is here because the king is here. And the king is standing right in front of them. And they're asking the king of the kingdom, when the kingdom was going to come, and they missed it. How did they miss it? They missed it. Completely missed it. Even though Jesus said, it's in the midst of you. So what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. The kingdom of God is wherever the gospel goes. Wherever the gospel goes and is proclaimed, is heard, is believed and responded to in faith, and by faith, that is the kingdom. That's where the kingdom is. The kingdom of God is the reign of Jesus' as Lord over a home, a marriage, a heart, a life, a church. This is where the kingdom is. You show me. It's in the midst of us. You show me. A church full of followers of Christ there my dear friend is the kingdom of God you show me a marriage where a husband and wife are following after Jesus Christ there is the kingdom of God you show me a family that is made up of Christ's followers there is the kingdom of God you show me a man a woman a boy a girl who has repented of their sin, put their faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. And there is the kingdom of God. You see, the kingdom of God is not only in the midst of us. If you are in Christ the King, the kingdom is in you. We're in the midst of it. It's in the midst of us, the kingdom of God. And they missed it because they rejected the king. You can't be a part of the kingdom if you reject the king. And so here we stand, and let me say to any unbeliever, anybody who's not a Christian, anybody who's never entered the kingdom of God, here's the good news. You don't have to go to far-off places and search for the kingdom. It's in our midst. You don't have to do a Google search to search for the kingdom. If you put your faith in the king, King Jesus, you will today be entered into the kingdom of God. It will no longer be in just the midst of you. It will be in you as you are in Christ. Jesus said, it's in the midst of you. Praise God, lost person. Person who feels far from God. You are far from God. He's not far from you. The king has come. And anyone can put their faith in him and be a part of his kingdom. And here's church where it gets dangerous for us. Here's where we have to be careful. Or we'll slip off into this pharisaical thinking. One pastor, Derwin Gray, said it like this. I can't say it any better, so I'm going to quote him. People will leave a church over politics before they leave politics for a church. 1.5 hours on Sunday in worship versus 20 hours a week feeding on cable news and its political partisans ranting is shaping a lot of people's theology for the worse. God will not be mocked, end quote. The psalmist said it like this, Psalm thirty-three, twelve. 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is Yahweh. Blessed is the nation whose God is Jesus. It does not read, blessed is the nation whose God is politics. It doesn't read that way. And I stand before you today, and I I proclaim to you today that the God of the kingdom of America is politics. This this nation, and I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about the kingdom of America has bowed the knee to politics. And it doesn't matter which political party you align with. That doesn't matter. You cannot argue that the God of this kingdom of America is not politics. You can't argue that. Because every political party is looking for their political Messiah doesn't matter which one. That's why, church, we are a part of a different kingdom. We're a part of the kingdom of God. It's a spiritual kingdom from above. It's not this kingdom on earth. This is not our home. We belong to a different kingdom. Tony Evans said it like this. People say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And they're absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone in Christ alone. But you don't have to go home to be married. But stay away long enough and your relationship will be affected. End quote. So people who can worship in person, if you're able to worship in person, if you've gotten to the place where you can do that, stop ghosting the church and start posting at church. I work out with a group of guys called F3, and when we post, that means we appear, we show up, we appear and we participate in the workout or the event. And so as the church, those who can come and worship in person, you've made a decision that you can do that. You need to stop ghosting the church, and you need to start posting at the church. And for those of us online that are still worshiping online, you need to stop ghosting the church and start hosting as the church. Open your home and host folks to worship with us every Sunday. Host people online at our 1 o'clock service. Host people. Be the host Start hosting as the church. Start posting at the church and stop ghosting the church. Jesus is coming back for His church. He died for His church. He loves His church. His church is the bride of Christ. So if you're a part of that, be a part of that. Part of being the church is being at church. Part of being the church is being the church. So let's stop ghosting the church. I want to read something. I wasn't planning on doing this, but I just, I can't help myself. Uh, This was a Facebook post that I received from one of our church members from a guest to the Point Church at Signal to my local friends who might be looking for a church. Earlier this summer, uh, her child attended VBS at the Point Church at Signal, had an amazing time, announced she asked Jesus into her heart that week. I wasn't sure she truly understood what that meant, but she's mentioned it multiple times since that day, that she has Jesus in her heart and reiterates her decision was real. A few weeks later, we went on Sunday to check it out. I was pleasantly surprised to find a casual, upbeat atmosphere, excellent music, and y'all know I'm a huge fan of the music at Calvary Chapel, so the bar was high. A great message, friendly down-to-earth people, and an ongoing, engaging kids program. We've tried their life groups, that's what they call Sunday School. Sunday School which meet on Sundays after the service, and those are great too. As a, as, a, as a solo mom, sometimes I feel a smidge like a misfit, but not there. Everyone is welcome. After dinner tonight, my kids asked to work on their church homework. They can't wait to turn it in next Sunday. Child has asked for a new Bible because she wants to take hers to class on Sunday. Tomorrow we have a grocery bag to fill as a part of the mission the church is doing for incoming local college students. I know many of my friends already have a church home, but if COVID shook up your routine and you're looking for a place on the mountain, you should come try a Sunday at the point with us. Praise the Lord. A testimony, amen. A testimony of a guest, and and look what she's sharing. Look what she's putting out there. She's not even a member of our church, and she's sharing the good news. That was good to see on Facebook, amen? Some good news of the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom of God. So here's the second move we have to make. We have to be sure we're sharing the gospel, which means be sure you're sharing the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus came, his purpose was to share the good news of the kingdom of God. The good news of the kingdom of God. That's why every Sunday I talk and preach and proclaim and speak about the good news of the kingdom of God. That's what we're called to do. So Jesus now turns in this text from the Pharisees and he begins to engage his disciples in conversation. Now sometimes what we communicate can be confusing. Right? I saw this picture and I thought to myself, finally, finally, a parking space for dads who were cooking on their Weber charcoal grills. Finally. But then at a second glance at it, I thought, that's probably for pregnant moms isn't it? with a stroller. Not a grill. Sometimes communication can be confusing. We must be sure, church, that we're sharing the gospel. We have to be sure on this. See what Jesus said to his disciples. He tells them the days are coming and you're going to want to see the Son of Man. I I get that. I'm about to leave you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. and Then you're going to long to see me. I know that. But you won't see me. And then other people are going to start talking. Hey, Messiah's over here. No, he's over there. I saw him over here. I saw him over there. Think about the Israelites. They, could, they were so impatient. Here's what Jesus is saying. You and I are impatient. We're just impatient. If something else is happening, we're going to make it happen. So the Israelites were waiting on Moses to come off that mountain with the Ten Commandments, and he wouldn't come off the mountain. They said, fine, we're going to make our own golden calf. We're going to worship on our own. That's who we are. That's you and me. We're impatient. We're antsy. We can't wait. So Jesus said, look, this is going to happen. I'm just telling you, it's going to happen over and over again. There's going to be David Koresh's and Jim Jones and Harold Camping's and the list goes on and 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 And say, here's the Messiah, I'm the Messiah, he's the Messiah, she's the Messiah. And Jesus says, do not follow them. Do not listen to them. Do not listen to those yahoos. When somebody says that they know the Messiah is here, you take them to Luke 17 verse 22 and read it to them. Do not go out or follow them. That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. He wanted them to understand that though they grow impatient, it will be unmistakable when Jesus comes. The whole sky is going to light up. You're not going to miss it. It'll be unmistakable, like lightning flashing across the sky. You won't miss it. Every eye will see him. Even those who reject him, everybody will see him. So here we are 2,000 years later, and he still has not come back the second time. So what are we to do? Are we to run off and chase this Messiah and that Messiah, and everybody who says there, me, myself, and Messiah? Is that what we're to do? Or are we to share the gospel? Here's what Jesus tells them to do, verse 25. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. That's the gospel. Suffer many things means that Jesus went to the cross He died in your place. He died in my place. He was buried. Third day, he was raised to life. And anyone who would put their faith in him and him alone will be saved, will be entered into the family of God, will be entered into the kingdom of God, will be adopted into the family of God. This is the gospel. And I love how the text reads here. It says, but first. (laughs) Well, you can read the rest of Luke and you won't find a second. There is no second. There's only the first. What does that mean? It means that there's only one event that needs to occur, that needs to happen, before Jesus comes again, and it's already happened. That's what it means. The death, bell, and resurrection of Christ had to happen before Jesus could come again. That makes sense. He would have to go before he could come, right? <laughs> yes, and it's already happened. So that means there's nothing more that needs to happen for Jesus to come. He could come back today. He could come back before we're finished worshiping today, corporately, together. He could come back at any moment. Nothing more has to happen for him to come again. But God desires no man perish and that all come to repentance. So he is long-suffering. That's why he's giving you more time. So don't pass up the opportunity to believe this good news and believe the gospel. See, the disciples didn't share the gospel because they didn't believe it. They didn't believe Jesus when he said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and die. I said, that's not going to happen to you. He even had to tell Thomas, after his resurrection, stop doubting and believe. But then we get to the book of Acts, and the Holy Spirit indwelt them. And the Bible says they could not help but speak the name. If you're a follower of Christ, you have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you. And you are called to take this good news of the kingdom and share it. Take this, like this Facebook post that I just read. That's good news of the kingdom of God that's being shared. That's what we're called to share. We're not called to post and tweet and email and tag and and, and share the bad news of the kingdom of this world. That is not what we're called to do, church. We are called to share the good news of the kingdom of God. That's different. That's radical. But that's what we're called to do. Here's the third move we got to make if we're going to move away from our kingdom come and the Lord's kingdom come. Number three, make a difference by being different. How do I make a difference? Just be different, be radical. Follow Jesus, right? Don't ghost the church, but be a part of the church and be the church and be at church. Follow Jesus. Stay in the Scripture. Share the truth with people God puts in your life. That's that's living a radical life today. That's, That's being different. And we cannot ignore, we cannot be indifferent toward the truth that we have been made different To make a difference by the one Jesus who makes all the difference. And we can't be indifferent about that. Make a difference by being different. One of my pastor friends said it like this. You know, when I was young, I'd sneak out of the house to go to parties. But now that I'm old, I sneak out of parties to go home. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's where I am. What happened to him? He's changed. Think about the day you were saved and think about today. There's been some changes, I'm, I'm convinced. If you're in Christ, he has changed you. You have become more and more different. You've become more and more different. You've become more and more different. Why? Because the Lord wants you to make a difference. So Noah was different. Jesus points to Noah. He says, hey, in Noah's day, verse 25, verse 26, rather, people were doing what they're doing today, eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, just living life. They're doing what we do today. But then there's this Noah dude. I mean, this dude is different. What's he doing, man? He's started a boat business. It's never rained before. What's he doing? He started a a, a boat business and nobody's buying boats. Nobody. And he's preaching righteousness and judgment. And what's he doing? He was different. How was Noah different? Here's how Noah was different. Noah was aware of the judgment of God and he was aware of the salvation of God, and he lived his life that way. If you want to be different, leave your wife. be a husband who is aware of the judgment of God and the salvation of God. Be a wife who is aware of the judgment of God and the salvation of God. Be, be a coworker who is aware of the judgment of God and the salvation of God be a mom a dad a sister a brother a sibling who was aware hey I'm aware that God's judgment is coming and God's salvation has come live your life that way that's how you make a difference Noah did that Noah lived aware of that truth that the judgment was coming the flood came and destroyed all of them except those in the ark The salvation of God, the ark to escape judgment you had to get, there was one ark, there was one door there wasn't two boats there was one there's not two ways to be saved, there's one there's not two ways to heaven, there's one Jesus and Jesus is using Noah as an example, that he lived aware of the fact that there's judgment and salvation all at the same time did he make a difference? You know, Peyton Manning's in the Hall of Fame, right? I don't think any of us would say he does not deserve to be there. I don't know of any sane person on the planet that would say, you know, I'm looking through this, this, and Peyton Manning just, he just doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't know anybody that would say that. You go to Hebrews 11, guess who's in the Hall of Faith? Noah. Noah's there. I don't think anyone would argue that Noah shouldn't be there. Yeah, he made a difference, and he's in the Hall of Faith. He's among those cloud of witnesses. He is there because he made a difference because he was aware of God's judgment and God's salvation and then he moves into this uh, the days of Lot in verse 28 man, in those days too, people were buying and selling they were planning and, and they were building and they were eating and drinking and just living life, man unaware of the judgment of God unaware of the, any escape that one might have from the judgment of God isn't it fascinating today? that people in this world really do believe that our environmental campaigns, that our creativity, that our technology, that our intelligence is really going to make this world a better place. Isn't that fascinating? When the Bible clearly says, this world will never be a better place. Never. It'll be a worse place, but not a better place. The Bible says the world is passing away. Like right now. It's passing away. I, I don't think that means it's getting better. And also all its lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my word will stand forever. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Live your life aware of that. That's what it means to be different. Do, I mean, let's just, let's just be honest. Do we believe this? Um, This is where we are today. Do we believe the word? Do we or do we not? You're going to have to make a decision in your life if you're going to believe this. You're going to have to make that decision. And if you don't, you'll live for the kingdom of this world. If you do, you will shift your focus to the kingdom of God and understand something about making a difference in this world for the kingdom, being aware of his judgment and salvation, believing the word and his truth. Live your life aware of His judgment and salvation. You know, Tanya and I are finishing up our book on marriage. Thank you for praying for us. We're getting close to the end. In fact, this last week, I was reminded of the importance of writing a book on marriage. Why are we writing a book on marriage? We want to make a difference. Nothing is special about us at all. But God has grabbed our heart because we are tired of seeing marriage being mocked. It's made a mockery of in this world, and we're tired of it. And we're tired of seeing marriages being destroyed. We're just sick of it. And so we're writing this book. I'm pointing people to what a biblical marriage, what the Bible says marriage is all about. That's what we're trying to do. And I was reminded again this week of how important this is because we applied for our ISBN number, the International Standard Book Number. And you go to their database, and you have to choose a genre What genre is your book? And man, they had a list of genres. I'm talking about astrology and business and cooking and crime and games and gardening and health and interior decorating, self-help, mind and body, wit and humor. I mean, just travel, just on down the list. Just tons of different genres. Now, if you're writing a book on marriage, pretty simple. The genre will probably be marriage, right? Well, on the ISB, in the international database, they don't even have marriage listed as a genre. That is the reason why we're writing this book. To make a case for biblical marriage. We want to make a difference. We want people to understand that marriage is the perfect place for imperfect people to be perfected. And it's God's plan. And so we want to see that happen. So whatever... However God grabs your heart, make a difference. Standing on his truth. Be different. Follow him. Get plugged into a local body of believers if you're not. Get plugged into a small group if you're not. Stay in the word if you're not. Share the gospel if you're not. Make a difference. Number four, the last movement we need to make according to this text. If we're going to move away from my kingdom come and towards father your kingdom come. Number four, die to your kingdom and live for King Jesus. Die to your kingdom and live for King Jesus. Jesus said it this way, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, follow me. So here in in this text, more specifically, he talks about those that will be on the housetop not to come down and take things out of the house on that day. Not to turn back, not to look back, not to buy into the lies of Satan. See, here's how Satan is lying to you. Satan is telling you, you are what you have. So on that day, when you're going to have to go get what you have because that's who you are. That's a lie. Satan is lying to you and telling you, you are what you do. That's a lie. You are not what you do. Satan's lying to you and he's telling you, you are what people say or think you are. Or, Satan's lying to you and telling you, uh, you are nothing more than your worst moment. Or, you're nothing less than your best moment. All of those are lies from the pit of hell. And the Lord Jesus is saying, don't you dare turn back. Don't you dare have some attachment to this world that on that day, the day when the Lord comes, the day we're longing for as believers, don't be like, don't be like... Lot's wife and turn back remember Lot's wife, you know there's not a lot we need to remember in this life but we better remember Lot's wife we better remember what happened to her do you understand how close she was to escaping judgment do you know how close she was to escaping the judgment that fell on Sodom, do you know how close and she turned back, why because she was more in love with the world she loved the world and did not love the word. Die to your kingdom. She did not die to her kingdom. So he tells us to remember Lot's wife. And then he makes this statement whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will keep it. Wow. What does that mean? It means this world's not our home, heaven's our home. We're part of a spiritual kingdom, not a physical kingdom. That we need to deny ourselves, take up our cross every single day and follow after Jesus. And on that day of judgment, notice it's real judgment and this judgment will be global. And it will be real. Notice verse, I tell you, verse 35, 34, 36. There's something terrifying. Look at this. I tell you that on that night there will be two in one bed, one will be taken. Now that word for taken here in this context is not the rapture. That's not what this is referring to at all. Complete opposite. Those will be taken away in judgment. That's what that means. Two will be in a bit. One will be taken. That's to judgment. The other one will be left in the millennial kingdom. Those that are left will be in the millennial kingdom. Those taken are taken away in judgment. So you have two women grinding. One will be taken. That means taken away in judgment. How do we know that? Look at Verse 37. Where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Because they ask him, Lord, where where are they going to be taken to? He tells them where the corpse is. Listen, church, there's no death in heaven. Do you know that? There's no funeral homes in heaven. There's no corpses in heaven. Vultures eat dead things. There's no dead things in heaven. This is not referring to the rapture and and those of us who will be raptured into heaven. That's not what this is referring to. You're not going to be raptured from hell into heaven. This is talking about final judgment final judgment and this is why we must live for Jesus, there's two ways to live for Jesus or for self, there's two ways to die, forgiven or unforgiven, there's two ways to live after you die heaven or hell so well, why should I live for Jesus here's why you need to live for Jesus with, from the top of your head to the tips of your toes this is why you need to live for Jesus because in Jesus all those sins that you can't forget about and you're thinking about them right now and you can't forget about them Satan keeps bringing them up. And you can't forget about them. But I'm telling you, in Christ, God chooses to remember them no more. Man, that's the good news of the gospel. That Jesus paid it all. Not 99.9% of it. And you've got to think about and consider that other .0001% of your sin. He paid for all of it. The great high priest paid a great high price. And he bought us. And he clearly tells us, here, the Lord Jesus will not share his lordship. Not one moment. You don't follow after those who are saying, here's Messiah, there's Messiah. You live for Jesus, and you live for him alone, and you follow him. Lou Giglio said, in the kingdom of God, there are no big things or small things. There are only the king's things. There are no white things or black things or brown things or red things or yellow things. There's no my things or your things or our things. There's no his things or her things. There's no rich things or poor things. There's only the king's things. So you need to die to all things that will keep you from the king's things. Die to those. Let your life shout, My kingdom go, Lord thy kingdom go. You do that by stop ghosting the church. Be sure to share the gospel. Be clear on your communication. Call people to repentance. Share the gospel with them. Ask them, Do you understand this? Yes, I do. Okay. Any reason you won't believe that today? No, there's not. All right. The Bible says you must confess and call on Jesus to be saved. If you call upon his name, you'll be saved. You ready to do that? Yes, I am. Okay. Here's how you do that. And show them how to do that. And ask them to do that. And invite them to do that. And call them to call on Jesus to be saved. This is what we're called to. Make a difference by being different. Live for Jesus. Die to your kingdom and live for King Jesus. Our American Christianity must go. It must go for God's biblical Christ to come. Our little G Bible belt gods must go for the God of the Bible to come. Our being comfortable has got to get out of here for God's comfort to come. Our desires must go for God's desire that no one perish but all come to repentance to come, our egos must go for the Omega Day to come. Our gossip conversations have to go if God's gospel conversations are going to come. Our heavens and earth must go for God's new heavens and new earth to come. Our unjust judgment must go for God's just judgment to come. Our lifestyles must go for God's life to come. Our dead religion must go for the resurrected life of Christ to come. Our green-eyed monster of more, 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 the American way, more, 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 that's got to go for God's contentment with little or much to come. Our fast pace, I don't know why we're in such a hurry, our fast pace must go for God's firm peace to come. Our game of thrones must go. One day I'm on this throne, one day I'm on that throne. Our game of thrones must go for the throne of God's grace to come.